President Trump has done nothing but good for this nation. You should be ashamed to talk the way you do about him. Just wait till you get Biden. You deserve him. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Thalamore. Welcome to the show, everybody, and thank you for joining us. Episode 711. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, Brittany Page. So it is that time of year again, Jesse D. I think every time of the year is that time of the year. Um, sure. <laughs> I'm I'm specifically referring to the Spotify wrapped where they summarize your listening behavior for the year. I've been seeing a lot of people give it shit, like yeah. make fun of it. Yeah. I like it. It's the same shit that I like with like Instagram or Facebook does, where they're like, hey, here's a a little thing we put together as a retrospective of your year. Yeah. Well, and shout out to Liz. Every time I talk about Spotify, I got to give a shout out to Liz, because Liz is a listener who gifted me a Spotify subscription. I'm on her family plan. Yeah, years ago. <laughs> yeah. And I have definitely been putting that to use. And one of my favorite things about Spotify is it gives you a summary of your listening behavior at the end of the year. It gives you like your top songs, how much time you spent listening, what your, you know, most popular genres to listen to are. Yeah, yeah. All those different things. But they also have Spotify for podcasters. They have it for artists too. So if you're a a famous artist, not even a famous artist. If you're just an artist on Spotify, you get to see people listening, how they listened to your music or your podcast. Yeah, if you're the prospective new Secretary of State for these United States, you're going to get, you know, he has a Spotify with a couple songs on it, right? <laughs> no. They're fucking, te- I tell you what, next episode, we're going to go through and play a couple of tunes from the 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 prospective nominee to be secretary of state okay i don't know if i want to hear it <laughs> it is so fucking bad i don't know if i'm prepared but but um yes if you're an artist if you're a podcaster they give you kind of the same breakdown yeah well we looked at ours and uh for the podcast and we were listened to in 36 different countries on spotify this isn't everywhere right and our followers increased 156%. Our listeners increased 85%. Our hours, I'm, I'm guessing the hours people spent listening to us increased 42%. And the streams increased 40%. So pretty big gains there. And it says that we dropped 4,327 minutes of content. Wow. That's a... Uh... That's a lot of minutes of content. Well, and it would have been more, but this year, of course, was different with, I think, like two months effectively being taken off the show this summer with the family emergency. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and so typically it's it's more than that, but we we had a little bit of a detour this year. A, a, a mild, brief detour. Yeah. <laughs> so well, those are impressive numbers. I'm 
I'm impressed by those. I am too. Uh, what was your your personal Spotify oh, top shit. list? Do you remember? No. Okay. Well, I have mine ready. Yeah. Well, that, isn't that why you asked the question? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I thought we were going to talk about them. That's why oh. I asked the question. Well, actually. I don't plan for things. Go ahead. And okay. I'll find my thing. So my top artists were Lake Street Dive, number one, The Black Crows, number two, St. Paul and the Broken Bones, number three. Steely Dan, number four, and Scary Pockets, number five. Scary Pockets is a band that does funk covers of regular songs. And I was actually surprised they were in my top five. But my number one song that I listened to is Real Love Baby by Father John Misty. That was mm. my my number one song that I listened to the most. That was your number one? It was. Huh. Yeah. So what were your top five artists? I'm trying to get there. Is it at the end? No. Where is the, where's the, th- oh, here we go. Take a picture of that before it goes away. Top five artists. Um, Little Symphony. Okay. Which. This is number one? That's number one, which is probably something, it's like uh, relaxing music I would play when I would go to sleep. When oh, you're I was- doing genres. No, this is artist. Oh, artist! It, 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 I would put it put, because what what I would do is Brett number one and and his lovely wife Lisa have Amazon wiretaps throughout their house. <laughs> yeah, and so I would say, "Hey Alexa, fucking play um, rainforest sounds," and then it would end, and I would wake up. So I went to this, and it's Little Symphony. It just plays all fucking night because I need some activity in the room. Yeah. Usually it's like a three ring circus in the room, but mm-hmm. in this case. So anyway, uh, that's what I would play. So that's a lot of hours of that. Okay. The number, uh, so two through five are going to be normal. Um, number two is Lake Street Dive. There we go. Okay. Uh, number three is Public Enemy. Uh huh. Number four, Alan Stone. And number five, Leon Bridges. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. What was your top song that you played? Do you know that one? Freddie's Dead. By Curtis Mayfield. Yeah, Curtis Mayfield. Wow. Okay. Very uh, nice. Number two, Hypnotize 2014 remix. Uh huh. Number three, Grass is Greener. St. Paul and the Broken Bones. Number four, Don't Believe the Hype, Public Enemy. Mm-hmm. And number five, River Deep Mountain High, which is, uh, I think, a song that I found from the Black Lives Matter playlist, hmm. which is I Can Tina Turner. Oh. Yeah. Very nice. Okay. <laughs> That's what it is. I know that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, good it's a good tune. Okay, well since you did your top 5, I'll quickly do mine. Uh like I already said, Real Love Baby by Father John Misty was number 1. Ace, How Long, number 2. Um this is another band that does covers. They they're a shoot off of Scary Pockets called Stories. So it's like acoustic versions of songs. Hmm. And so Wait for the Moment by Stories. Walking on Broken Glass by Lake Street Dive, number four, uh, another cover, and <laughs> Bad Bad News by Leon Bridges. Leon Bridges. So we have very similar yeah, we do. music tastes. It would be weird. It would be, for me, having completely dis- uh, d- distant and different tastes in music would be kind of like having opposite politics. Yeah. Because music's a pretty big part of our life. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm not going to be as douchey and say, 
I really like music. Fuck, everybody likes music. <laughs> but it's it is. I mean, we don't like watch TV while I cook and stuff. It's we have music on. It's, yeah. Yeah. That just shows how much we love music. God damn, I feel like a fucking idiot. Well, and I certainly seem to have rubbed off on you a bit with uh, Curtis Mayfield being your your. <laughs> I know most you were going to take song. an opportunity to take credit. I'm not credit taking for credit. It. No, no, for no. It. You're right. I'd never heard of Curtis Mayfield until Britney Page came along. Well, uh, that's not uh, what I'm saying. It, you know, that's not fair. You know, that's not fair. What I'm saying is that you you are taking credit in some way. I bring a lot of. <laughs> Really fantastic R and B without a doubt funk into the house without and, a doubt. But yes. Curtis Mayfield is not one of them. I mean, you, you've there's all kinds of like the the Zap band or the the Dap band or you know those <laughs> the Daz band the Daz Gap band. band. Yeah. These are separate things. How dare you? So there's all kinds of those that you know those songs that you know but you don't know the artist. Yeah, you know, you brought that into my life. Mm-hmm. But some, you know, it's, you know, yeah, anyway. Sure. Well, anyway, wow. I, well, you, you, you were saying, egregious. you were saying earlier that people were shitting on it. And I think that is stupid as well, because I'm actually very interested in what people's music tastes are and what they're listening to. And you can find interesting music that maybe you haven't heard about by listening to someone's recommendations or what was on their Spotify wrapped. So, if you have been hesitating because people have been very negative about you sharing your Spotify wrapped, do not feel negative about it. I would like to see it. Yeah. Also, fuck the negative Nellies, the the fucking naysayers, the 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 cynics. Fuck them. Like what you like. Take joy in the things that you like. You don't have to explain it away. You don't have to justify it. Fuck cynical assholes. Yeah, it's exactly like when people say they don't like The Wire very much. You know, it's like <laughs> you're you're wrong. Bring it back to The Wire, <laughs> but have your dumb opinions, I guess. Right. So, were you one of those dumb people who didn't like it when you didn't like it? So I oh, I didn't understand oh, oh. at that time. Yeah, I had to have a come to Jesus moment. Well, what about I the people who haven't had the I come converted. to Jesus moment yet? Well, they better get on it because I don't have much patience for it. <laughs> See, now everything's no, being listen, revealed. Okay. Everything's fucking being no, revealed. No, what I'm saying is <laughs> I I didn't dislike it. It's just that I wasn't super interested in learning how to like it. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> What are you running for office right now? Jesus, talk about I, a fucking. Well, I did just watch the Georgia Senate debate, so I am probably talking a little bit like Kelly Loeffler. She's very robotic. Yeah, she's a dullard. I tweeted she's a dullard. Well, she's just very robotic. It's like they replaced her with a robot. Well, hence robotic. She was saying uh, radical liberal Raphael Warnock over and over in every over. single answer yeah, that yeah, she yeah. gave. Like that kind of a, that that works on people. Like, oh, he must be a radical liberal socialist. Well, like, I'm sure it does work on certain people. I'm sure that's why yeah. she's doing it. But those people aren't going to be, anyway. Yeah. So let's, before we move on, let's get to some listener communication. Uh, we, we've had a hell of a week. Listen, I, I want to say this before we move on. We are in a household and media operation here that is in flux, that is in, in a, a transitional period. We are soon going to move, which means we're going to be relocating our home studio to a different home studio. In the same area, just Yeah, we're not moving across space. the country yet. And um, 
there's going to be some, t- I mean, it's going to cut into our, our schedule a little bit. We're not exactly sure how yet, but, um, stay with us. Um, it's going to be a much better situation for us and we are, we're both very excited about it. So yeah. we just want to share that with you. Um, keep, keep tuned into us, keep connected with us on, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, so you can get uh, any updates as we go as far as the recording schedule and also just generally what's what's going on. Definitely, yeah. So let's move on to some listener communication. Before we do, I want to drop the number, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Hey, Jess Abrin, it's Casey from Kentucky. I'm actually calling in response to the... Uh, the YouTube video about uh, Randy Quaid, um, it just made me laugh that the two election experts that we have right now that are really on the forefront are former football player and MMA fighter Herschel Walker and the stupid uncle from National Lampoon's Vacation, <laughs> um, one being known for taking very serious head injuries and the other one for, I don't know, Independence Day, I guess, would be the, the best thing that Randy's known for. Or just being a fucking loony tune. Um, it just amazes me how we have so many sore losers. Wasn't it just like four years ago, uh, all these fucking Trump dudes are walking around being like, he's your president, you got accepted. But here we go, you know, he loses. Fair and fucking square. They're out in the streets screaming, uh, chanting lyrics to Rage Against the Machine, which they have no idea what those songs are about, obviously. Uh, like they're out there screaming, uh, killing in the name of lyrics while holding thin blue They're screaming a song about police brutality while showing support for the police. These people are all fucking idiots. Uh, uh, it's just, uh, 76% of the country is Randy Quaid is pretty much all that's happening <laughs> right now. Um, but I just thought that was funny. Randy Quaid, fucking Randy Quaid. <sighs> all right, y'all have a good one. It is. <laughs> Thank you, Casey. Um, that's a, an interesting way to put it that 70% of the, I don't think it's 70% of the country, but there is a vast majority of the, a vast swath of the population <laughs> that does subscribe to Randy Quaid being some kind of a a soothsayer a, 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 a purveyor of, of of knowledge and understanding or has some kind of a lock on what went on during the election hmm. uh, I'm gonna play this video it's very brief it's like uh, 48 seconds long listen to Randy Quaid Fox News daytime ratings have completely collapsed. Weekend daytime, even worse. Very sad to watch this happen. But they forgot the way. They forgot what made them successful. What got them there? They forgot the golden goose. (laughs) The only difference between the 2016 election and 2020 is Fox 
snooze. This, of course, Donald Trump retweeted, and it's Randy Quaid with, like, red, orange, blue, like these lights strobing on his face, and it's just a close-up of his mug. Very fucking weird. And what, then, what is he saying? Uh, what is he... What's happening in the video? <laughs> well, it's just his face, like I said. No, I know, but what is, like, the point? Well, he's, he's, he's taking a page out of Donald Trump's playbook to shit on Fox News, uh-huh. that the only difference th- the, between... Donald Trump winning in 2016 and Donald Trump losing in 2020 is that Fox News wasn't solidly behind his candidacy, which okay. is fucking nonsense, well, first I, of all. I appreciate you sharing that with me because as soon as I heard the video start, I stopped listening to it because I said to myself, right. this is not something I care about. Right. Yes. And uh, there's just something about his voice or the the theatrics or the i don't know what it is but there I'm are like, others i don't need to hear this no we're gonna play all of them in fact here no we go. no we're not <laughs> no we're not <laughs> so yeah i i don't know it's it's um i mean the, the the comparison is made all the time that donald trump wants this to be a reality tv show and that's really what the fuck it is there it's 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 no more complicated than that donald trump enjoys the the showman aspect of this, and he's turning very real, serious matters like the continuation of our democracy into a reality TV fucking show. Well, I heard Frederica Whitfield today on CNN. She's the anchor on Sundays. She said she was covering his rally yesterday in Georgia. You know, he made an appearance there because the Georgia runoffs are happening, even though he barely mentioned the Georgia runoffs. It's all about (laughs) it's his grievance tour. Yeah, exactly. And she said that he was there claiming that he can still win the presidential election. And she said he won't because he didn't. Joe Biden won the election. (laughs) Like they're just matter of factly saying this is what he's doing this is not what reality is, and then moving along. It, they're not really giving it a lot of time, I've noticed, on, uh, on CNN. As well, they should not. Although, let me say, I don't know if they carried his rally at all. I hope they didn't, but I don't know if they did. I hope. They I don't know not. how much of it Fox News carried, but Fox News did carry yeah. parts of it. Yeah. Because I, I play clips on, on a video on YouTube from it, and it's Fox News premiering, and C-SPAN. Premiering tomorrow. On youtube.com slash Dollamore. Wow. That's, thank you. You're welcome. Very necessary. Little plug for you. <laughs> anyway, Casey, yeah, fuck, I don't know. It's very depressing that uh, there's a there's a giant uh, um, percentage of Americans who are Randy Quaid. Yeah, that's a bummer. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Moving on. Hey, guys, it's Carissa. Um, it's December 2nd. I got home around 5.15. I turn on YouTube, and the first thing in my recommended is Donald Trump talking for 46 minutes, and, like, the title of the thing was the most important speech I've made. And I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? It's from, like, the Donald Trump channel. I started watching it, and I was like, really? The same shit over and over again? And it's, like, 45 minutes? I scroll, like, all the way to the last few minutes. He's still talking about the same thing. The reason I'm calling, I was wondering if you guys were going to cover this or if I had to torture myself and, like, watch the whole thing for any gems that are in there. Anyway, love the show. Brittany's best part. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. The the simple answer to your question, Carissa, is no, absolutely fucking not. We're not going to cover that goddamn speech. I, 
like you, Carissa, was bamboozled into watching a portion of it. <laughs> I tur- I did the same thing. I thought that her turn of phrase with turned on YouTube was a little weird. Uh, but I did the same thing because I watched most of my YouTube on the TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it popped up. I'm not subscribed to that fucking channel, Donald J. Trump. Mm-hmm. And it said the most important speech I've ever made. I'm like, oh, shit. Let's see what kind of bullshit this is. And it was exactly as she described it. It's a part of his grievance tour where he repeats the same fucking lies over absolute lies. They don't even have like a like a, a whiff of something accurate or truthful in them. They're just fucking lies over and over and over yeah. for like 45 minutes. Yeah. So no, we're not going to... No. I mean, this is as much coverage as it's getting. Yeah. Well, and we're hoping that... I just as, said this is as much coverage as it gets. As we move closer <laughs> to Joe Biden being in office, hopefully we will start kind of slowly transitioning away from Donald Trump specifically to... What's going on with the Biden administration? What's happening there? And I know Trumpism is still going to be around. We're still going to have yeah. the Fox News problem. We're we're still going to have these things exist, and we're going to be talking about those too. But we're hoping that as things start to calm down a bit, we're able to transition to to that to normal topics of interest and of import. <laughs> things that are really important to people. They're going to change their fucking lives for sure. Make their lives better. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Carissa. As always, we loves us some Carissa. Definitely. Long-time early adopter of the program. For sure. Special place in our heart. Hey, guys. Uh, Rebecca from Atlanta here. I just, just, I just have a few things. Every time, every time I hear that Trump is considering or he's going to run for re-election in 2024, like, my, my hypocrite comes takes over me and I because I just want to chant lock him up <laughs> I don't know but like I ha, wh- why how the why I just don't I don't understand it and I really outside of that you know I really want to stop feeling like we have to talk about Trump so that we can start criticizing Biden I know he's not officially inaugurated yet but like I just want to start migrating into that area because, like, oh, God, you know, I'm just so, so done. So I I just find it baffling that, you know, he's all about, like, I really want to push a strong progressive agenda, and I need strong leaders to do that, but those leaders don't include Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders? Like, okay, that's sure. And then yesterday... I work in a uh, small office setting. There's usually no more than four of us in the building at a time. We all wear masks. We all keep our distance as we're doing our jobs. A lot of times we're doing work in separate rooms. So it's fairly easy to respect um, our each other's space. And, you know, we use hand sanitizer and wash our hands all the time. I'm still in person, but, like, we're being as safe as possible. Yesterday... Uh, one of my coworkers, who was a good distance from me, wasn't wearing his mask, and he he says to me and, and another coworker, "Oh, I'm not a mask person. Does that offend you guys?" <laughs> and uh, what I should have said was, "If I say yes, will you wear a mask?" Because I was like, I said, I mean, if you <laughs> if you at least keep six feet from me when you're not wearing a mask, I'd appreciate that. Because he starts that spouting some bullshit about frequencies and if you're at a higher frequency or some shit you're fine and i'm like i literally said i was like well i mean you cannot believe facts but as long as you just keep your distance i'll appreciate it like 
So I, I kind of just said that, Rebecca, that was incredible that that happened. Uh, talking about transitioning into criticizing and talking about Biden moving away from Trump. And it seems like Rebecca is on the same page with that, hoping that that happens soon. Well, don't I, worry, it will happen soon enough. Let me, I want to clarify, because I don't want to start the trend of using the word. It's something I've said in the past, and I want to, I want to correct it. I don't want to just criticize for criticizing sake. I want to hold accountable. I think we should start using that language. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in, um, infuse some accountability here. It's not just criticism. I mean, there's going to be things to criticize, and we're going to do it when it's necessary. But I don't want that to be the that it's predicated upon just the desire to criticize. Sure. I feel guilty. I feel weird that I keep talking about criticizing when really. What I mean by that is hold accountable. Yeah, I guess it. I guess it depends on what what you're thinking when you say that. Because I don't. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I'm not sure that anyone I I hear say that they are going to criticize or they're ready to criticize. I don't think that that means they're going to be looking for anything, even things that don't matter, just so that they can be critical. Yeah, I think it's guilty. Just a guilty conscience on my part. Sure. Yeah. And related to the mask situation that you have on your hands there. <laughs> Yikes. That sounds maddening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, what does it even mean? I'm not a mask person. Nobody's a fucking mask person, guy. Yeah, I've Everybody heard... Everybody hates wearing masks. Yeah, I've heard people say that. They're like, I just really hate the mask. Oh, you think that... Oh, I love Yeah, it. people love it. It's great. <laughs> I love... I love being at work and conducting sessions with clients and having masks on and having my glasses fog up for most of the time or having to like stop breathing as much so my glasses don't fog up. That's really nice. Well, or the, the the times that I've been forced to fly on an airplane since yeah. all this and I'm wearing two masks. Mm-hmm. Oh, I fucking love it. I love them so much. I want to double up. Yeah. Everybody hates masks. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> You know, I, I'm, that's the point. That's where I am. I'm because we hear this, we see this. We live in Orange County, where there's anyway. We've talked about it. Well, it's, and just it's, it's fucking bad name. It's really. I I saw someone recently. They used the word suffering Ugh. when talking about. There's, wow. There's a new recommendation. I saw it on the KTVB, which is the local Boise, Idaho station. Yeah. That there's a new recommendation from pediatricians that kids should be wearing masks during youth sports. And someone. Not, not just while on the bench. Right, not while on the bench, also while playing. And someone commented on it and said something about their child suffering yeah. when they're wearing a mask. And it's just like, how. It's a fucking charmed life. How privileged yeah. are you God that damn. you can attach the word suffering to having to wear something on your face for. A, a few hours a day. I mean, yeah. I, I don't even know how long you're wearing it for, but... Go visit a pediatric hospital, you fucking whiny person. Seems you like whiny individual. Seems like you're in a mood today. I'm always in a mood. Okay. Thank you, Rebecca, for the call. We appreciate it very much. To continue on with the mood. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. 
Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We would like to thank several new Patreon supporters. We have Michelle A. Michelle A. Joe B. Joe B. Diane D. Diane D. Aries Switch. Aries Switch. Joshua B. Joshua B. Thank you to each and every one of you for your beautiful Patreon support. You know, we had our November Patreon hangouts this last weekend, and I know that seems weird because it was the first week of December, but what happened was Thanksgiving was the last weekend of November, and typically we do it the last weekend of the month. So what what's happening for December is we're in that same situation where oh, Christmas is, is at the end of the month. So we're actually going to, well, then we have New Year's the, the very next weekend. So we're going to have the hangouts, we just decided, be the week before Christmas, which is going to be Friday, December 18th at 7 p.m. Pacific time, and then Saturday, December 19th at 11 a.m. Pacific time. So these will be the December hangouts, which we have once a month for Patreon subscribers in the qualifying tier. And it's not like a live stream on YouTube. It's a Zoom call where you're... You're on with a bunch of different listeners and us. Yeah. Just shooting the breeze. Exactly. And it is not, I repeat, not you watching a show be recorded. Yes. Uh, we are under no obligation to entertain you. In fact, we do not entertain It is you. just us bullshitting. Yeah. With, it, with, with Patreon supporters. And it's nice because you get to meet other Patreon supporters from around the globe. Yeah, we had Scotland on. Yeah. Yes, we did have Scotland on. The whole country of Scotland was on the Zoom call. (laughs) It was fantastic. It was pretty busy. But good thing we switched to a Zoom subscription so we could have that many people (laughs) on there. Can't do that with free version. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we love you guys. Thank you for all your support. The other way you can support the show, one, is by buying merch. You can go to dollamore.info. It would be great if I could pronounce my own last name. dollamore.info. That'll bring you to the Teespring store. We've got podcast-related merchandise. We've got YouTube-related merchandise. All of that goes a long way to support the show. And then the other thing, which is free and easy, is just rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That gets us in front of a whole new um, metric of audience. And uh, that's always a good time to grow the show and support the program. All right. Moving on. Dalemocracy, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So the Trump administration has changed the citizenship test to make it more difficult to pass, essentially. Of course. Yeah. Right now, the pass rate is 91%, but... They changed the requirements and they changed certain questions and answers. And so it used to be that you needed to answer six out of 10 questions correctly in order to pass. Now it's going to be 12 questions out of 20. And haven't they, they've also changed the questions, the wording and the answers to be to make it more difficult as well, right? Yeah, they took out like simple geography questions and they eliminated several questions that had like one word answers and they've added 
questions in that are more complex that uh, certain organizations say will be difficult for non-native English speakers or immigrants coming from poor countries, that it's going to particularly be a hindrance for them in passing the citizenship test. Which is the goal in its entirety is that, I mean, that's it. That's, that's the metric. Or as that uh, comedian on Twitter, that's the tweet. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're looking to. That's an inside joke. Kylie Brakeman. No one's going to know what we're talking about. Well, let's promote Kylie Brakeman. She does a funny video about uh, liberal check marks on Twitter and the tweets that they do. It's a pretty funny video. <laughs> anyway, so Brittany and I go through our days. That's the tweet that's about it. everything. That's the tweet. <laughs> uh, so, but that is, I mean, listen, this is has been the the... The sum and substance of the Trump agenda with with um, Stephen Miller at the helm yeah. of a racist, white supremacist, uh, dedicated agenda related to our immigration, not just what what is commonly referred to as illegal immigration or undocumented immigration. Even legal immigration has been a, a stranglehold has been put on it, and they really want to promote wealthy, educated people, white people, over others and mm -hmm. it's just it, it's a departure from anything we've done um in modernity yeah so eric cohen the executive director of the immigrant legal resource center in san francisco said quote it's a last ditch effort on their way out the door for the administration to keep people from realizing their dreams of becoming citizens there's no legal reason no regulatory reason to do this they decided on their own that they have to change it for political reasons. And if you're wondering, well, what do you mean for political reasons? One example of this is there was a test question that said, who does a U.S. senator represent? And previously, the answer to that question was all people of the state. On the new test, it's citizens of the state. Right. Subtle, but that's a, that's a difference. Right. That is an absolute difference in 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 meaning in in imp, I mean it's it go it really it's very telling it's it's just uh, laying bare what their agenda is yeah so let's do a, a test on you Jesse D because part of the conversation I think that is important surrounding the citizenship changes is what is the civics education or civics knowledge of Americans in general. <laughs> The Americans that were born. Are you born, asking me? Because well, it's not great. It's definitely if not. If you've great. ever watched a Jimmy Kimmel video where he's interviewing people outside on Hollywood Boulevard out there, out in front of his studio, it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Well, I think every year the Annenberg Public Policy Center does a survey of Americans on civic education. Oh, you mean we're not going to rely just on Jimmy Kimmel interviews? I would hope not. <laughs> Although they are. Entertaining. You're going to go highfalutin with the Annenberg Public Policy Center. Sure. So 51% of Americans can name all three branches of government. How, wait, wait, wait. How many? 51%. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's lower than I would figure. 54% understand that a 5-4 SCOTUS ruling uh, carries the same weight as like a 9-0 ruling. Yeah, that's 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 depressing. <laughs> And 19% of Americans can't name even one First Amendment right. Wow. 19%. Can't name even one. And they're citizens just by virtue of their birth. 
Right. And so Donald Trump is wanting to make it more difficult for people who come to this country, who immigrate to this country, to become citizens when the citizens probably couldn't even pass the citizenship oh, test. Oh, yeah. I, right? I wonder about that. That's that's interesting. Yeah. So let's give you some of the questions and see oh, how you shit. do. Yeah, we're going to do nine. I mean, I'm confident. I'm confident. But there is that little niggling thing in the back of my head that's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Fucking don't fuck this up. <laughs> is it the anxiety mosquito? It is the anxiety mosquito from... Big Mouth. Big Mouth. Yes. Maria Bamford. Yes. Okay. First question. Um, now, if you if you want me to read you the options as well, I can do that. But some of these you may just know and tell me the answer. Okay. James Madison is famous for many things. Wrote the Constitution. Author of the Constitution. Name one. Father of the Constitution. President during the War of 1812. Fifth President of the United States. Writer of the Declaration of Independence. First Secretary of State. Oh, Wow. Uh, holy fuck. That's, um, okay, let's just, well, I, I don't. Is this whole thing going to go like this no, for you? No, no, it's not. I'm... <laughs> well, so the first secretary of state was Thomas Jefferson. What's the one before that? Writer of the Declaration of Independence. That's also Thomas Jefferson. So it would be between the War of 1812 one and, and the. Fifth president fifth of the president. United States. No, okay. So it's War of 1812, but that's only. That's only because of um, the process of elimination. Okay, so which one are you going with? 1812. War of 1812. All right, that is correct. So this is a new question Holy on the test. Th- listen, this is unfucking fair. <laughs> N- not just to me, because it's grossly unfair to Jesse Dollimore. Yeah. This was a, this is unfair to fucking new prospective citizens. God damn. So according to the New York Times, this is a new question on the test, along with a few others about the founding fathers, including Jefferson and Hamilton. Previously, the test only asked about George Washington. Hmm. All right. right, let's. I'll, I'll try not to drag this out. Okay. Here, I'm going to struggle with some pronunciation. The American Revolution had many important events. Name one. Washington crossing the Delaware. Battle of Tippecanoe. Tippecanoe, yeah. Battle of Fort Niagara and the Treaty of Ghent. Uh, it's the Delaware. Crossing right. the Delaware. That's the famous painting. Yes. Where they're, you know, okay. Yeah. I don't have to give... Would you like color- to describe the painting I don't us. have to give color commentary on every question. Let's okay. move ahead. This is also a new question on the test, that one you just did. Okay. What is the purpose of the Tenth Amendment? It guarantees the rights... Any of- power that's not uh, specifically granted to the states or specifically not granted to the... Any power that's not specifically granted to the federal government or not specifically not granted to the states is for the states to possess or the people. Okay. Yeah, that's but, one of the answers. It states that... Well, that's, that's it, what it is. It states that the powers not given to the federal government belong to the states or to the people. Yeah. Yes. That's in a nutshell. The the, uh, the amendment is actually specifically granted to the to the federal government or specifically not granted to the state is for the state. So according to the New York Times, this is also a new question and it highlights an amendment that has particular significance for proponents of states' rights yeah, big in debates time, over federalism. Big time conservative yammering point is the Tenth Amendment, states' rights. So Which, are- by the way, is is what the Civil War was fought over, slavery. Um, the Confederacy believed it was up to the states to decide whether or not they allowed their citizens to own human beings. So, Well, are you starting to see kind of a pattern here? Yeah. A pattern yeah. emerging of what the focus is and the changes? And Let's keep going. I'm fired up. Okay. 
Whom does a member of Congress, I'm sorry, whom does a member of the House of Representatives represent? People living in their state, people living in their congressional district, citizens in their congressional district, their political party. Wow. That's that's this is a dick one. This is dick. This is a dick move. <laughs> I, I I mean I I'm gonna say the I'm gonna say what I believe to be the wrong answer after what we've talked about. I'm gonna say people mm-hmm. living in the district. Yeah. And uh that would probably be wrong on this test. It is. Because yeah. the correct answer is According to the Trump administration. Citizens. The Trump the correct answer is citizens. Yes. Yeah. Well, and the the New York Times kind of goes through this, and they say that on the website for the House of Representatives, they state, quote, each representative is elected to a two-year term serving the people of a specific congressional district. So they're even illustrating here that this answer does not align with the definition on the United States House of Representatives website. It also doesn't align with even the, the manner with which we census, we count the people. Uh, if, if, if we have 100,000 undocumented immigrants living in this district where we live right now, they are represented and they're counted for, for purposes of redic- redistricting. They're counted for that. So mm-hmm. that, the answer to the question that they're, they're wanting is wrong. Yeah. They're just, they're wanting someone to give a wrong fucking answer. Mm-hmm. All right. Are there more? Who appoints federal judges? The president. That is correct. Good job. We, we don't need to go through their, their, unless there's some sneaky bullshit answer that they want in their, because these are um, multiple choice. Go ahead. We'll move on. Well, we'll just do one more because uh, okay. some of these are pretty easy. So the nation's first motto was E Pluribus Unum. What does that mean? Uh, it means out of many, one. And uh, people still think it's the, the, the motto of the United States. It is not. The motto of the United States is in God we trust. Mm. The official motto of the United States. So according to the New York Times... So New- much for those other rights granted in the First Amendment. Yeah. According to the New York Times, the new test eliminates a set of questions on geography and expands the number of questions on symbols and holidays with questions just like this one. Yeah. So there you go. Not great. And again, giving more reason why when Joe Biden gets in, he needs to appoint someone to be the reversal czar. TM. And uh, make sure that all of these things. (laughs) TM. Yeah, I'm trademarking that shit. Yeah, so he actually has the option of reversing these changes, uh, though according to the New York Times, that likely could not occur, if at all, until several months into the new year. But I would just like to highlight, it's very nice that this is the focus of the Trump administration, you know, as millions of people are going hungry and millions of people are facing eviction when the eviction moratoriums are lifted and millions of Americans are facing eviction primarily because their their rent is going to become due. Right, and hundreds of thousands of Americans are face, facing literal death right. from the coronavirus. Right. He's changing up the questions on the on the citizenship test. Right. So it's just remarkable what his priorities are uh, at the moment. So speaking of the coronavirus, we are on the brink of seeing a vaccine come through. And it's going to be pretty widespread. Initially not. There there right now there's a debate in in um among smart individuals, among policymakers, among medical experts, epidemiologists and virologists of 
which groups are going to get the vaccine first. And then it's going to come out and be rolled out a little wider spread to everybody else. But there are pockets of this country, namely black Americans, who are very hesitant, who are, um, I'm going to use the word paranoid, but I think it's, if for, in, in a lot of ways it's a justified paranoia about any kind of medical interdiction that, that the United States government is ahead of, is at charge of, is administering, especially where it relates to them. Um, and I want to talk about that. Here is a little piece from CNN. Hobson City, Alabama. The term city used loosely, it's really a small town. Population about 800. We are a small community, small enough to know everybody and everybody's cat. Hobson City's mayor says small enough to know that when it comes to trusting in a COVID-19 vaccine, many people here feel the way she does. I'm reluctant to take the vaccine. Wait, you yourself are reluctant to take the I am reluctant. Most of those who live in Hobson City are African-American. Distress of the medical community runs deep. The town, located about 100 miles from Tuskegee, Alabama, home to one of the darkest chapters in American medical history. In the 1930s, government doctors conducted experiments on black men, leaving them untreated for syphilis until the 1970s, so doctors could monitor how it affected them. Alabama is taking a beating from the coronavirus, the state's 14-day positivity rate at just over 29%. In Calhoun County, where Hobson City sits, the rate is 37%. Still, older residents such as Joe Cunningham have such little faith in doctors, he was reluctant to go in for a COVID-19 test, and any discussion about a vaccine is off the table. I was afraid to take the test. Why not, Mr. Cunningham? I don't know. I just don't understand it. I'd like to know where it's coming from. I'm going to have to convince my father because he don't know what this vaccine is about. As black people, that's all we know is to trust the Lord and trust God. We have to convince our family that this is the right thing to do because this will help slow it down and help us to survive. Distress in communities of color is not just a small town problem, it's nationwide. A study conducted in September exploring the issue in black and Latino communities found just 14% of black people and only 34% of Latinos trust a vaccine will be safe. It's like, a, it's almost to me like a, a fear, like I have a phobia of needles. I'm almost at the point where I have a phobia of doctors. Carmen Bailey was diagnosed with COVID-19 in April. Bailey says she avoided medical help because she feels she has been poorly treated by doctors in the past. Now the grandmother of three suffers from adverse effects with her heart, lungs, and kidneys. Sometimes I can barely walk, and I'm tired of hurting. I don't know what to do. What she will not do is take a vaccine. We don't know any kind of side effects from them, so... I just really feel like at this point where it's people that's going to take that vaccine is guinea pigs. You really think they're guinea pigs? I do. I just feel like you, we don't know enough. Dr. Margaret Larkins Pettigrew and her husband, Chenis Pettigrew Jr., know the health community has a number of hurdles to overcome to reach communities of color. When you talk about trust, you know, you're looking at that type of war. So, you know, do I trust the science? because they're telling me this is what's going to help me, you know. But I have a lived experience that says that this may not be so because I have been deprived of other things. 
The Pettigrews come from a place of experience professionally and personally. Both lived and worked in Tuskegee for a time. Both are participating in a COVID-19 vaccine trial currently underway. And the couple is advocating for trust in the science behind a vaccine. We thought that it was important to make this contribution uh, mm -hmm. and to represent uh, the community that we're part of in a way that says you can do this and you was, can take this vaccine. Was there any hesitation at all? I had no hesitation. I see what happens when people of color are not included in studies. And that is the, the you know, downside of things. Back in Hobson City, Mayor McCrory says she's had a change of heart, but it had little to do with science. I sat across from a young man who came in to purchase a grave for his 59-year-old wife who died of COVID-19 last Wednesday. And if anything makes me change my mind, that changed my mind. His wife's grave will be right over there in our cemetery, 59 years old. He changed your mind? He changed my mind. Jason Carroll, CNN, Hobson City, Alabama. So... One, I don't know why Jason Carroll is recording his voiceover work inside of his fucking bathroom, but <laughs> not great. Yeah. But to the topic, though, I would I would encourage everybody that if you hear about this, about especially black Americans being hesitant. I mean, that, that that's a that's a startling statistic that they said 14 percent of black Americans trust the safety of a vaccine. And 34% of Latinos. Listen, they have a, a reason to be skeptical, to be cautious. Because the history of the United States, if it's any guide, it indicates that we have not treated black Americans well in this country. And I'm not just talking about slavery. I'm talking about medical experimentation on blacks. It is fucking egregious. And the government, the burden is on the government to sell this thing and to make certain that this population trusts in it, has faith in the process. Because we... We cannot afford as a country to have another chapter of our history where blacks are left out in the cold because they're worried about uh, um, a, re, a retelling of, a, of a, a, a previous story. This actually reminds me of a story from earlier this year. The University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine's class of 2024 started a new tradition where they recited the traditional Hippocratic Oath and at their white coat ceremony mm -hmm. and then they also wrote their own hippocratic oath huh. and it's it's pretty long i i don't want to read the whole thing but i want to read a few parts of it so it's, it starts as the entering class of 2020 we start our medical journey amidst the covid-19 pandemic and a national civil rights movement reinvigorated by the killings of Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Ahmad Arbery we honor the 700,000 plus lives lost to covid-19 despite the sacrifices of healthcare workers they go on to say i will care for my patients holistic well-being not 
solely their pathology with empathy, compassion, and humility. I will prioritize understanding each patient's narrative, background, and experiences while protecting privacy and autonomy. I will champion diversity in both medicine and society and promote an inclusive environment by respecting the perspectives of others and relentlessly seeking to identify and eliminate my personal biases. I will be an ally to those of low socioeconomic status, the BIPOC community, the LGBTQIA plus community, women, differently abled individuals, and other underserved groups in order to dismantle the systemic racism and prejudice that medical professionals and society have perpetuated. So as you can see in this additional oath that they took, they are highlighting systemic racism. They're highlighting the the importance of as they enter into this profession, as they work to educate themselves to become doctors, that yeah. they also need to take in, into consideration the history. They also need to take into consideration racism, sexism, these things that are going to present themselves and potentially bias them and cause them to harm patients. I'm glad you brought that up because it's not just the the evils that have been conducted by the American government like the experiments and the Tuskegee, all that, all that horror that, that has been visited upon blacks in America. But it's also just systemic racism creeping in everywhere where medical students think black people have thicker skin, literally thicker skin, that needles don't go in as easily in a black arm than they do a white arm. That um, health outcomes, the mortality rate for black m- mothers who are, are, are giving birth to babies is off the charts compared to whites. It is it is because of systemic racism that these health outcomes are so much more dire right. for black Americans. So again, let's be careful when we talk about, well, that's dumb, they shouldn't. Why are they not trusting science? Blah, blah, blah. Well, look at fucking history and let it be a guide that we don't want to make those same mistakes. And it's up to all of us, moreover the government, to make sure that it is trusted in its safety. Anyway, there's this other thing that we want to talk about today. Brittany and I were, were, I don't know if you sent it to me or we watched it actually on TV. We watched it. I played it. It was a YouTube video that came up in my feed. You you intro this because this makes me, we're going to play a clip and start and stop, but goddamn. Yeah. So this is, I've been consuming a lot about the eviction crisis, the hunger crisis, just all of the terror that is going on as a result of the government's inaction uh, related to the pandemic. And not, by the way, not just federal government inaction. We live in a wealthy a wealthy state with like a $12 billion surplus right now. And they, they're doing nothing. Gavin fucking Newsom is doing nothing. Not enough. I'm sure he would say that's wrong, that he's doing something. He's not doing near enough to take care of people who are in, in an eviction crisis, who are in an income crisis, who are without a home. Anyway, I'm sorry. I stepped all over your... Uh, your intro here. That is okay. So this is a video from KTLA, which is the local Los Angeles station. What you're about to hear is not Fox News. It is not One American News. It is not Newsmax. It is not one of those. It's KTLA, a local news station it here is in Los the Angeles. Fo- it is the Fox affiliate, but it's 
It's not Fox News. Yeah. So the title of the YouTube video is Some Homeless Tents in L.A. Have Showers, Electricity, and Even ACs. And the thumbnail reads, Homeless Living Large During Pandemic. Homeless Living Large. And God damn. The reason that we want to play this for you is we want to kind of break it down of what are we hearing when we watch the news? And as we hear it, (laughs) we want to be kind of filtering it and thinking, hmm, what is the narrative that they're painting here and expecting me to adopt? Yeah, not only that, I want to reinforce, I know we said this is L.A., what what I think we mean to communicate by that is that this isn't Provo, Utah. This isn't Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. This isn't some conservative media market. This is fucking Los Angeles, California. Right. Listen to this. During this pandemic, L.A.'s streets of shame have gone wildly unchecked. We've seen some homeless tents popping up with electricity, running water, some even big enough to block entire sidewalks. The I-Team's Joel Grover shows us tonight these increasingly large tents can come with a host of public health and safety problems. City sanitation workers invited the I-Team to look inside this double-wide tent that had its own working shower, a kitchen with a grill and a range hood, air conditioning, even a doorbell. The tent had electricity because it was illegally tapping into a nearby streetlight. When did these stop being our sidewalks? When did they stop being the public sidewalks? When the pandemic began, the city decided not to touch most homeless tents to try and prevent the spread of the virus. So tents have been getting bigger and bigger, like this one under the 101 freeway in Hollywood with its own slide. Nearby, we saw a tent with walls and a roof made of mattresses. In Venice, one tent had its own wading pool. Another tent had its own tiki bar. And we found no shortage of tents. In- I'm going to pause it there. There's a whole bunch of shit that I have that I fucking uh, I have issue with that I object to. One, you out there in podcast land, you know, that's a land, Brittany. Yes, podcast land. Of course. A You're not seeing land. the videos. This is still fucking squalor oh, under yeah. overpasses. Oh, yeah. This is those traditional blue tarps that you see. Right. When they talk about a wading pool, they're talking about an inflatable little fucking kiddie pool with some water in it. It's not like a fucking hot tub on the side of the goddamn road. Right. Further, they act like, oh, they have electricity and a roof. A mattress roof. Who do these fucking uppity homeless people think they are that they need a roof? Fuck KTLA. It, it, Shall I continue? Well, <laughs> you're like I said, you're in a mood, and I was just giving you a minute to kind of recover there. Yeah, they're talking about the mattress roof as though that is some grand <laughs> yeah. spectacle, as though it's like they have this, this great protection. A mattress roof is still not, not a good situation. You do not have a good situation on your hands when you're living with mattresses, walls, and mattresses, your roof. If that gets wet, if it rains, 
I mean, yeah. come on now. Why are they acting as though that's fancy? Well, it's also living large. What would they what would they say to someone who's like living in their car, homeless, living in their car? Oh, and they've got a whole car to sleep in. Oh my god. Lap of luxury over here with these fucking homeless. Right. Illegally tapping into city fire hydrants for water and into city street lights for electricity. They are doing things that are obviously against the law and dangerous. No one is inspecting. No one's checking. Some of these McMansion tents. <laughs> oh, oh my God! I I paused it just a second too late. They're calling these tents McMansions. Some of these McMansion tents. Yeah. So let's talk about that lady that they keep interviewing, though. Okay. So. She, at the beginning, was talking about when are we going to get our sidewalks back? Her main concern is not having access to public sidewalks. That's her main concern. Yeah. And then she starts talking about how they're committing crimes. Is Does anyone care about how they're committing crimes? Well, she's bitching about them having electri- access to electricity and water. Right, right. Oh, they're, they're tapping a, a, a fire hydrant. Oh, these uppity fucking homeless people. They want water, too. And What's next? What's next, a home? How how concerning is it to listen to this woman who's not stopping to say, why isn't anyone helping these people? Right. Why do these people have nowhere to go, but they are on the sidewalks, they're having to illegally tap into the electricity in order to have heat? It's By the way, I know people think it doesn't get cold in Southern California because you may be from somewhere where it actually gets really cold. But it gets cold during the winter yeah, for in sure. Southern California. And when you're on the street and you don't have anything to keep you warm, are you going to illegally tap into the electricity? I bet you would. Th- this woman's name, by the way, is Estella Lopez, who's the executive director of downtown industrial district uh, of L.A. Mm-hmm. So Estella, E-S-T-E-L-A Lopez, uh, if you want to look her up. Uh, anyway, the video continues. Uh, we haven't even gotten to all the good stuff have flammable materials inside and when they go up in flames like this tent under the 405 at venice boulevard entire neighborhoods are put in danger but the big tents create you know what else also puts neighborhoods in danger when regular houses catch on fire is this guy going around to, oh my god this house down the street caught on fire putting everything in danger mm-hmm. structures catch on fire whether they be tents in homeless encampments or fucking regular two by four framed houses. Fires happen. Accidents happen. Shut the fuck up, KTLA. Eight other problems, too. This encampment made it hard for city workers to access the DWP meter. The landlord says DWP employees refuse to go near the tents to read the meter and threaten to turn off the building's power. They wanted my tenant to go do it for them. Lisa Rich owns that building, which has been surrounded by a growing encampment that has caught fire, endangering the homeless as well as other people working inside the building. It's very depressing. It's horrific. And some tents are now so big they not only block the sidewalks, but spill into the streets. Think of the wheelchair-bound individual who does not have access to our sidewalks because it's blocked 
by tents. Under federal law, there has to be at least 36 inches between tents and the beginning of the street so wheelchairs can use the sidewalk. But as you can see, there's no room at all for wheelchairs to pass by. We can't simply have the city turn its back, walk away, abdicate and surrender its jurisdiction over the sidewalks. We emailed Mayor Garcetti's <laughs> but, uh, office uh, eight times. Over the sidewalks, but you thought you thought you thought she was onto something, right? You're listening right, to it, right? Right? They can't abdicate their duty to the people, right? That's where you thought she was going, but then she says to the sidewalks, right? Right? To the availability of the sidewalks, and listen, that's a valid that's a valid discussion point that people in wheelchairs do not have access to be able to move on the sidewalks for sure. But in this clip, all you're hearing is faulting the individual, faulting the individual who is without housing and has been forced into the streets of Los Angeles. You are not hearing it be centered, the problem being centered with a failure of the system, a failure of the government to provide for the people so that people are not having to live yeah. on the streets of Los Angeles. It's very individual-based and centering the problem with these individuals. And that is the complete opposite thing that the news should be doing. It's also what she's doing. It's kind of the, uh, I don't want to pay for illegal immigrants. We got lots of homeless veterans. Well, oh, so you want to fund um, programs for homeless veterans? Well, no, they need to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. It's the same kind of thing they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're, oh, well, what about wheelchair? Wheelchair-bound people, the, they're being fucked over by, yeah, you, yeah, you're right. But let's, we can take care of all of it. All of it can be taken care of with California's $12.6 billion fucking surplus. Yeah, so I just, I read an LA Times article today, and they actually discussed that it's a $26 billion dollar budget surplus not 12.6 billion 26 billion and if you want to go read it it's by the times editorial board um editorial tenants need a rent bailout right now yes so anyway let's let the clip continue that there's like 30 seconds left of the the genius broadcasting from ktla over the last month asking to interview the mayor about these encampments at his soonest availability. His office said they're working on it, but still hasn't given us a time. What do you want to see the city doing? Just like they're still sending inspectors to every single business to make sure that they're following code, why aren't we doing the same with the public right-of-way? Estella Lopez called the city over and over about that huge tent with the shower that was blocking the sidewalk. Sanitation workers finally came and took it down. Even though that tent is gone, many other McMansion tents are popping up all across L.A. For the I-Team, I'm Joel Grover. Joel Grover. Mm. Talking about McMansion tents. Yeah. What a privileged guy <laughs> how you like that Brittany? that's that's great so i <laughs> the views and opinions expressed by jesse dollarmore are solely those of jesse dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany page who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis so what i'm saying is the ktla and joel grover should get their shit together because mm-hmm. this is irresponsible what they're doing is they're, they are informing the views of their viewers, of their audience, talking about McMansion tents, mm-hmm. acting like it's the lap of luxury to have a mattress ceiling roof on your your hubble. Anyway. Yeah. So, 
if you're interested in learning more about this, 99% Invisible, which is another podcast, <laughs> is doing a really great... A great s- podcast. A great series on homelessness in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I believe that's where it is, right? They're based out of Oakland, in so probably Oakland, yeah. Oakland, yeah. Um, so, which is that area. Yeah. yeah, so that is a really great series that they're doing on this right now, and I would recommend it. Absolutely. Anyway, we're going to leave you there. I'm in a really great mood right now. So, <laughs> Well, no, I, I hope that was helpful in going through that because think of the wasted resources that they did on that, what, four-minute segment? Yeah, they didn't one time say, what's the governor doing to help the, the, the homeless crisis in L.A.? What is the, what's the mayor fucking doing? What's Eric Gar- They didn't say any of that. It's, oh, uh, we got to get rid of the tents. They didn't speak to a homeless person? They didn't interview a person yeah. living in one of those tents yeah. to ask them why it is that they're tapping into the electricity, to ask them why it is that they're using the water that they shouldn't be using. You would have found an answer. Yeah, we, we, we you played, would have heard a legitimate answer. We played the clip in its entirety. It was not edited. Yeah. So those are things that are missing, right? You're hearing from people who only Estella Lopez. seem to care about like the sidewalks, which is a weird thing when you have like living beings that are living on the sidewalks. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of homeless people in LA. They didn't talk about uh, how there is going to be an even more serious homeless problem if something is not done right. about the rent that is coming due when the eviction moratorium ends and you're going to have people that cannot pay their back due rent and they are going to be homeless. And they're going to be demonized because they have a mattress roof. Right. They're living in, in a their McMansion. Mi- what the fuck? Ugh. Oh, we're leaving it right there. Ending the show on a perfect note. Sickening. We'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. As always, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Please, if you are someone who has never communicated with the show, we want to hear from you. Also, don't forget to donate to John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock in Georgia, and to Stacey Abrams' organization, Fair Fight. You can find it at fairfight.com. Make sure that you are supporting and paying attention to the Georgia runoffs. If you can, like we talked to Mike McLaughlin on the bonus episode recently, (laughs) on the bonus episode recently, uh, it's important if you have time to do some phone banking. Call Get involved, stay focused. That Senate race, those Senate races are very important. I mean, without them, any kind of a Biden agenda, any kind of progressive, quote unquote, progressive agenda is really going to be stymied. So we'll see you next time. We love you guys. Thank you for joining us. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt.